demons ghosts outside screaming you can run but you can't hide you can't scare me i'm already dead inside military history you know sometimes people come back from war changed traumatized like having like flashbacks nightmarish dreams yeah like the vietnam war for example yeah that's a big one yeah that's and those are those are the best kind of war movies i think right i mean just because war does so much psychologically to humans that i really don't appreciate big hollywood war movies that try to gloss over that or just try to glorify defeating the enemy i much more prefer those movies that deal with the psychology of it like movies like the hurt locker like apocalypse now okay and I think Jacob's Ladder probably falls into that category, I'm assuming. So you were on... making that segue then? Oh yeah, we're segueing. Yeah, okay, okay. Smooth as fuck. We're just going right into it. I didn't know for sure because you didn't like acknowledge the <laughs> Vietnam War connection. I didn't. Um, well, I was getting there. And okay, I, okay. I fed you the rope. You yeah. got it. And then, yeah, and then I totally train wrecked it. Yeah, and now we're just over, we're deep into talking about, talking about it. But I, I think I'm going to do some amazing editing for this. This Are you? <laughs> this intro, I try. I try. This intro is going to be interesting. I don't know. It's what you're all doing. over the place. We'll see. Is it really an intro? Because this morning, dear listeners, um, it's been a day so far, hasn't it? We're both pretty tired. Mm-hmm. It's it's really early to be drinking wine and talking about a horror movie. <laughs> We're grumpy. We're grumpy boys. Um, but that's not going to stop us. We're no. going to watch movies and talk about them. Yeah. And uh, for you, we're going backwards a little bit. Because we've been doing a lot of recent stuff. Mm. So, um, yeah, three 2016 movies in a row, which is great. It's clear that yeah. you want us to do more 2016 movies or more recent movies based on the listener counts. Yep. Um, but we also think that we should look back on the history of horror movies and make sure to check in on some classics, some ones we haven't seen as well, to make it a more well rounded podcast. Yeah, and that's, I would keep going strong with all the the new ones i was like thinking about this earlier today about how like um i've always wanted to watch the absolute newest possible um horror movies and sci-fi movies mm. just because uh the production value and the technology that goes in right. i'm like looking for the top possible quality for maximum immer- immersion right because mm-hmm. uh that and that's it's that same logic that is why I love found footage so much because it's immersion at like a lower um, production value. Right. But I've found myself really, really wanting to watch movies from like the current year because the, you know they look so good and they don't like the effects don't suffer. You know from now being what, what year is this movie from the nineties? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Okay, so yeah. you know twenty six years old. Is there going to be something that is just going to catch my eye? As being like, oh, I know that effect, you know, you know what I mean. Like those sorts of things have like recently caused me to like mm-hmm. stay very, very, you know, at the the most recent. Totally, our sensibilities are kind of kept up with what horror movies is currently are currently doing, and we want to see that be pushed. Like we're more drawn to see, okay, what's the latest attempt at trying something like sure. this. And also just the conversation of it. The fact that it's a new horror movie. Mm -hmm. You want to see what's happening. I mean, some of the ones that were on a lot of best of 2016 lists aren't even available yet, but they they sound awesome. Like, I really want to see Raw. Raw sounds pretty cool. That made a lot of lists. It's something about... um, 
I didn't even want to watch the trailer. I just saw a still image, but it's I think it's like a hazing event for veterinary school, and like um, one girl is a vegetarian and she's going into this, but somehow it devolves into a cannibal movie. <laughs> That's okay. That's where I thought it was going. <laughs> I feel like I've heard about it. Yeah, it did Midnight Madness. Veterinarian. Last year. I th- I could be way off on some of the details of this. I I, I don't see I, a connection. I'm pretty confident that it does become a cannibal movie. Okay. But people are hyping it a lot. Um, some a few people walked out of it at Midnight Madness last year. One person fainted at the screening of Midnight Whoa. Madness last year. Um, I should add though that there is some talk about it being potentially staged. Like a, a uh, gimmick, uh, like this kind of publicity stunt. Yes, like uh, the studio brings someone in there too faint, but that could just be skeptics. Uh, we'll see. Okay, that's, but that's see, how layered. Like we were talking, we've talked a lot about Rotten Tomatoes being kind of this corruptible source now, in mm. that movie studios are aware of which critics um, are likely to be more favorable to their movie, so they'll send screeners specifically to the critics who will review it favorably in order to like eventually influence like well to boost it at the start this is why so many movies when you're following the rotten tomato scores especially horror movies will start off at like a hundred for you know weeks sure you're right before it's release and then once it finally gets released and And everyone's able to see it then it'll drop down to its real score so the yeah the critics who have been allowed to see the movie pre launch yeah. um, are ones who are more likely to be favorable in the movie and therefore it's smart right like, yeah, if you're absolutely. running the studio that's and a smart move just like you mentioned with the binary um, like scoring system converted to a percentage on Rotten Tomatoes if you're giving it to somebody who you can at least expect a 60% that's it you don't need them to love it you just need them to like it more than they hate it so guaranteed all these studios have rigorous reports on all the movie critics out there and have great data and analysis on what are the odds probability that they'll at least give it a favorable review that Rotten yeah. Tomatoes will count as fresh and not rotten. There we go. And then it, they can get this 100% score. I'm like Until the movie launches, which generates yeah. interest. It's natural and it's smart and this is just a roundabout way of saying planting people to faint in the movie for your thing is yeah, perhaps another strategy of building hype for your movie. Sure, and it's like that's interesting how like a Rotten Tomatoes score before a movie's launched has truthfully in the past excited me more like about that movie right so it's like a complete artificial hype right in the same way that yeah somebody hearing that somebody passed out that could be completely artificial because like Mm -hmm. you're hearing like maybe that's like what you're saying to me right now and like even if it did for sure happen that you're right Mm -hmm. it could be a publicity stunt and one one way or another it doesn't influence like how good the movie is I, I remember the third or second paranormal activity had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for a long time yeah. before it came out. Sinister had 100 before it came that. out. That was that a big was, deal. And that Even was one the of, kind of what I was alluding to is yeah, Sinister yeah. I was really, really excited about because of... And that led itself, especially it that worked. one. It led everyone to articles were being published about, oh, this is a 100% um, Rotten Tomatoes horror movie. Like, is this going to be amazing? Yeah. Is this a new classic? I think people have caught on a little bit more now. Yeah, well, I mean, that. that's what's going to happen is eventually your rating system isn't going to mean anything if every time the movie comes out and then gets like eviscerated. And I think we're in the midst of that collapse for Rotten Tomatoes. It's still somewhat of a good indicator, but especially with those early scores that come out. But um, I would love to talk to someone um, who's on the studio side just to hear, you know, about those strategies, how they conceptualize releasing a horror movie. Yeah. Well, it's all about like incentive to make people go out and see it, right? 100%. So it's like, if you think of it that way, like, all the advertising is just mm-hmm. misleading stuff you shouldn't watch. Because it's like, 
Yeah. It's there to get you in a seat, not necessarily to mm-hmm. help pre- present a story or help you enjoy your weekend or your time off while you're watching a movie, right? Totally. Um, but it, it, to circle back a little bit from like where we started talking here is about how um, it's those sorts of things that have inspired my desire to watch newer movies. Like, in part, like, I want the newest effect because I suck. Um, but uh, also, yeah, the discussion that's involved, the hype that goes into it, the fact that the public hasn't seen it yet, the fact that I'm going to be able to watch it and then talk to somebody else about it. Yeah, the novelty, all, right? Like, what what is new and exciting about this as opposed to something that has been around for a couple decades now and people have already watched and moved on from and aren't talking about as much. Exactly. So it's like... Um, it kind of after having this discussion is like brainstorming a little bit for like what's a really good reason to go back and watch oh because it was a standalone good film that yeah you know it's not about hype or discussion it's about like sort of filling in a different part of your palette for the yeah that's horror. it and I'm the same way it feels like more of more work to go back and watch a movie that isn't as aesthetically pleasing yeah. as a contemporary film might be um, but especially the ones that I mean time filters out the worst horror movies sure. we can say um, and the classics kind of stick around on these lists that always get made of the best horror movies of all time and Jacob's Letter is one that's consistently seems to be on a yeah. lot of them yeah I've seen the name yeah. I, uh, I've always been somewhat interested in it I uh, I love Tim Robbins that was the big selling feature for today great I'll admit today like because um, even for uh, we've got um, one day we'll do uh, Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. that was really hard to say Without messing it up. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Texas. We did. Um, Chris saw. Texas Chris saw. Was that what I said the last one? Yeah. Those two two bottles of wine. Did. Yeah, that was. We got pretty drunk on that last one, admittedly. Yeah. Yeah. Dear listeners. That's what happens with a double a double podcast day. Double header. So you may notice a change in um, language a little bit from the beginning of the film to the end in those two episodes. Wow. I mean, like, especially a change in energy from the end of Hush. To right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like early morning cranky Chris and Dave. Yeah. Versus two bottles in afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Cranky Chris and Dave. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so how do you feel about ladders in general? How do I feel about ladders? Yeah. I like them for going up, not so much for going down. Going down ladders is more terrifying for you than going up them? I don't, neither terrifies me. Mm. It just... Yeah, I don't like I don't like too big of a ladder. Like uh, I pro- probably want to max out at ten feet. <laughs> you know when you get like a twenty footer. Uh-huh. I had a lot of friends that watched Windows in Calgary, and they were on like just fucking really high ladders. So you know, no thanks. You're not into those. Ten feet is good for you. No, it's too flimsy. You know, you need someone at the bottom to hold it. I guess, but I mean that's a versatile ladder. That's gonna get you up a the building. It's like a small amount of I don't know tin, tin, steel. I don't know, man. It, it doesn't seem <laughs> aluminum enough. Aluminum, yeah. It doesn't seem doesn't seem great. All right, that's the end of our discussion on ladders. Um, Jacob's ladder as a concept. I All mean, right, now we're, now we're talking about Jacob's. Yeah, I mean this is uh, a biblical yeah. story. Jacob. Wait, this one, the movie, or Jacob's Ladder? I just mean the concept Jacob's Ladder. Ja- you're, yeah. You're aware of, what do you, what do you got on this Jacob's Ladder? On Jacob's Ladder? Um, I, there's a band I really like called Man Without You. Do you know them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, um, there's a song that ends with, like, a, discu- a sort of 
bringing up the concept of Jacob's Ladder. Mm. So I looked into it a little bit and then forgot. Mm. But from what I understand, it has something to do with um, the connection between... Um, heaven and Earth. Heaven and Earth, yeah. Um, man and God. Mm. And... <laughs> and uh, Let's go to the scripture. Let's just open up your Bibles to uh... Genesis 28, verses 10. All right, so what we're going to... Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father. Okay, so I'm going to stop here. Um, I think we get the gist of Jacob's ladder. And the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and the south. Would have been real embarrassing if you forgot one of the directions. Yeah. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Yeah, we get it. A ladder between earth and heaven. Yeah, and I think there's something to do with like the um, ability to ascend and descend on a ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has to do with the metaphor or the parable, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. That was weird. I see, and perhaps it's going to be... A, I, I, I know, I mean, I think trauma, horror, war, you think there would be just a descent to hell. Like, you think this ladder would go beyond like down underneath earth but i mean i guess we'll just watch the movie and see where the metaphor takes us i'm uh i'm not prepared to engage you right now because you just busted out a bible out of nowhere (laughs) we've been talking about the story of jacob's ladder we've been talking about ladders you've been reading from a bible we're grumpy this Um, is good you know we we always say that we're gonna do um good preparation good background research (laughs) Uh, for Jacob's Ladder, what better research and prep than the actual story of Jacob's Ladder? Which is less of a story and more of just an idea. It is more of an idea, yeah. Um, I'm still... Not a lot happens in that vision. And not in that... It's like, um, I dreamt I saw a ladder. Cool. But then some stuff happened about the directions on a map, about all the... No, God signs. just said, you you get to be in charge of the earth. Your people are going it's to like be a, the best... It's like a little low-key kind of covenant. It's covenant, for sure. Yeah, so that's, I think it's important in some way, but... Jesus. I still don't know why we're still talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I want, okay, so here, I wonder how much this will pay off. Like, is the concept of Jacob's Ladder going to be so prevalent in the movie, or... That's what I'm asking, and I thought we should just be a little prepped for the movie. Okay, really? Yeah. (laughs) Like... You think uh, when it came out in theaters, people like brushed up in their Bibles before they went out for the 7 p.m. matinee? No, I think that <laughs> and they probably who worked didn't get at the movie theater read the passage before the movie started. <laughs> no, they like say, all right, if everyone can you open your, the Bibles are under your seats. <laughs> open your Bibles to page. And now let's turn in our Psalter hymnal to... <laughs> These are some really good jokes. Um, okay, but no. Uh, all right, let's start the podcast. No, the last thing I have to say before we start um, is that I feel like you reading out of the Bible mm-hmm. on this morning specifically, yeah, where we already had like a little bit of demon action. Oh shit! I think that might have been a mistake. 
I think it might have been a good move. It might have kept the demon at bay. Well, that seems like an obvious like counterpunch. Yeah. Demon rolls scripture. the bottle of wine. You throw some scripture at it. That seems like I, now I, we're. I hear what you're saying, Dave. <laughs> we should do a devotional at the top of every episode. <laughs> Cast a wider net. Get those morning devotional podcast listeners on Saturday mornings to tune in. This is just a tr- non. This is the most nonsense. It's it's my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier. Um... Oh. This is like the third earlier. <laughs> earlier, we were talking about something horrible. Cockroaches or... Ladders. Ladders, whatever it was. War, and, World War II. Yeah. The we, Wellington Historical Society. Yeah. All these things. Uh, and then just one of the bottles of wine on the, on the shelf thing rolled on its own. Roll out. Ludicrous. Ludicristians. <laughs> Bible. <laughs> Chris, you got there's such a strange energy in the room today, yeah. um, but <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Uh, this is our podcast, the Text Chris Dave, Dave Saw Massacre. Let's start the movie. All right. So I guess that last frame really tells the impetus for the whole movie. The fact that, oh, we think that the U.S. government tested these kind of psychoactive drugs on soldiers for the purpose of trying to win wars. Uh, yeah, that's what it seems like. But, like, it... And apparently, according to declassified documents, they did test it on human... test BZ on human subjects but in Maryland from 1955 to 1975, more recently classified documents. Okay. If that's of any interest, and if that saves this film from being... What, the fact that it's rooted in ever-so-slight realism? Yeah. Yeah. But then, okay, but what happened, though? So he, they got the drugs, and then they killed each other, and then they were dead, and he had a dying man's hallucination? Yeah. That was his whole life? Yeah. He, he, so he died in war, got stabbed and killed. By his own dude. In his hallucination, in his own mind, his hallucination. As he, he died. As he died. He went back to New York, um, <laughs> left his wife and two kids, and started dating someone, first of all, worked as a mail worker, because he wasn't a professor anymore, so got a job as a mail guy. And he just had all these different lives that he bounced, these two different... Just two, right? Yeah. Between the mailroom job... Where he was living with the co-worker, and then his life with his wife and two kids. Um, and, like, th- it was three kids, but one kid right. was, like... Lo- but then, like, um, didn't they say something about he lost the kid right before the... Okay. The Vietnam conflict? So the kid died after? before... Right before he went. That that sounds right. That I think that's The first how. kid died, yeah. So the he, youngest one. Is it something like his kid dies and he goes off to war yeah. because of it, or... He was going off anyway, like, and that happened to me when his kid died, and then bad stuff happened to him, and he was just dead. And he made up this thing with the coworker. Yeah, all in his mind, all while he's lying on his deathbed. He's like multiple dream layers, where he's having this hallucination as a dying man on a table, and then also he's having dreams about being with the wrong woman. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the key is, in, in that little waking life that you have, have you seen the movie Waking Life? Um, yeah, I saw it years ago. 
It's um, pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's very but surreal. But it's based on, on the same idea that I think this is based on, that right before you die, your brain is still firing and... Um, at, and it releases this, I don't know if it was dopamine or some chemical gets released as mm-hmm. you're dying that allows you to, in your brain, have dreams that, um, last what seems like years and years. years. And years. Okay. So I guess Jacob is having this experience and within this experience, he has to either come to terms with his life and be satisfied with it. So that way he can be at peace and just die peacefully. So he can have a slight smile on his face when, the, when the military yeah. doctors say that he's dead. Or he can be miserable and be dragged off to hell. I mean, they kind of imply that... He went how, Yeah, they, they imply that how you act in this in this last moment, dream. when you if you either come to terms with your life or you reject it, you will either go to heaven or hell. Yeah, it seems right? like it was uh, a little journey, <coughs> journey that he took as he died um, about coming to... But... Coming to terms... With, um, with what, precisely? Just... I think it's his kid dying, I guess, right? It, the trauma of... I guess his kid dying. But, but I know, um, his chiropractor, I guess, gave him the um, the key for that one, which was you have to let go of mm-hmm. something, whatever's holding you to the previous life, and then... Um, Your demons will turn to angels. They Well, yeah, it's like those are two perspectives. It's either demons who are trying to steal your life away or angels trying to take you somewhere better right and the demons try to take your life away by constantly tormenting you and reminding you of your anguish mm-hmm. or you can accept your anguish as it is cut that out accept your anguish as it is um and just be able to let it go you know just accept your life for what it was and then demons have no power over you yeah because they... you have no shame and no frustration it, it could act as something of a like um a visualization for like purgatory maybe like it's very mm-hmm. brief like decide where you're going even though you're kind of you're already dead mm-hmm. or you're on your way yeah so you have to go through the steps of whatever that pilgrimage is to determine if you're going to heaven or hell right. i guess right uh what'd you did you have a good time <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was very slow i mean two hours and yeah, by the end we were <laughs> we were delivered what the message was and what happened, but it took a long time to get there. Yeah, I wasn't completely satisfied. By no, that. and I mean it's it's fascinating to me that this gets billed as a horror movie and included on top lists of horror movies because the horror elements, which are there and are pretty great when they do happen mm. for you know a, a 1990. Yeah, there's movie. a few really a few really great segments yeah, sequences yeah. that are wonderful um notably the just the head shaking like when people yep. they show fast figures, head shaking yeah fast head shaking that's something that's a cliche now but it's used very early here mm-hmm. um when they're whenever he gets under the operating table in different different kinds of institutions specifically that last one where the last was, one where they wheeled him in on that gurney and yeah kept that's going, great like darker and darker you know that and was just like limbs are everywhere and blood limbs and blood everything. and then they stick the 20 needle doctors his... around him is so terrifying too that's uh, kind of menacing and then one of them is like the, the girl yeah way. um and then they put that needle in his forehead like right between the eyebrows yeah, he just and it just goes in deep yeah it's right into his brain yeah, but that was the, good i mean all of those sequences were and even like the opening moment in the subway where he's kind of wandering that was that was kind of that creepy. was pretty creepy yeah and the subway goes by and you see these demon faces but they're so distant and unfocused mm. that and your mind doesn't yeah. know what to do with it 
So all those scenes were terrific, but that's maybe three minutes of this entire two-hour movie that we watched. Yeah, and it just doesn't feel good to for it to have been a dream the whole time. Like that's yeah. If you're gonna make fun of something as having a bad reveal, it's that it was a dream the whole time. Yeah, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but it was a dream the whole time. I guess I'm I'm a, a little more okay with that because it's it's making this larger point about. Yeah, I, I your life in the face of death. I suppose that it is, but as like, um, I think the okay to the length issue, like it was a very mm -hmm. long movie and it felt kind of slow. The one thing that was justified in that is like the character development and portrayal, like of Tim uh, Tim Robbins. Mm -hmm. He did a great job. He was a very very strong performer. Yeah. Um, I felt his dread the whole time. You know, I felt his confusion pretty well. Mm -hmm. Not that I was like incredibly excited by any of it. Right. Um, there were moments, like we said, but like for the most part, I was kind of like, okay, all right, all right. But he play, he made a very very strong case for just like whenever he he, he seemed to get like um, like he lost his anchor. You know, that he wasn't like in the world anymore. Like things start stopped making sense. Like yeah. his like what the hell is going on was pretty good. Um, totally and some of those shots were great like when he's lying in the bathtub and it's just this really kind of yeah. whitewashed bright shot of his face just looking freaked out because mm -hmm. his temperature is 106 yeah and he's um, melted like 50 pounds of ice yeah. over like 6 hours it's pretty crazy yeah um, yeah and so like this whole time it's just basically there's a lot of points where it's just basically all these different reasons that he's waking mm. up you know is he, he'll just be doing something and then he'll get knocked out cold or just exhausted pass out or whatever it is yeah and then he wakes up in a different like life it kind of reminds me of that star trek next generation episode where picard keeps bouncing back i think it's the series finale like one of the last ones mm -hmm. oh, yeah. where he keeps bouncing back and forth between the future uh and some critical situation that's happening and the present and the past so he never knows when he's gonna flip from one to the other but he, he keeps getting more and more information and trying to resolve mm. all the individual issues. That's what we should have watched. That we sounds should, really that interesting. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been a much more um, entertaining use of two hours, I think. Yeah. And, uh... so here's a question. What do you think about the chiropractor? Is the chiropractor just the subconscious part of himself that's trying to be positive and accept his life? Or is it literally an angel that's intervening um, on his deathbed to try to encourage him to proverbially come to the light okay, instead it's, of avoiding death. I think personally it's, it's just another component of the hallucination and mm. he's just a dead cold body right. <laughs> in the ground. But um, all right, what are they trying to represent? Uh, I think that I would still like hazard a guess that it's the... Um, for whatever reason, like, I guess his chiropractor makes him feel better, you know? So, um, he's always hurting his back in this movie. Like we said, this movie seems <laughs> to be funded by chiropractors. Yeah. And he, encouraged his, chiropractic the care. The chiropractor is the only, like, positive character in his life other than his kid. So and, I think... and the chiropractor is completely antagonistic to standard hospitals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes in this barbaric. He and kicks like, open the door, unhooks the IV from Screamins as it picks up a crutch. It wraps wrap this around your rushes neck. Rushes him out of there. Yeah, just, well, because that's what your chiropractor does. He yeah. won't let you sit in some <laughs> hospital when you're all busted up. This old age Western medicine. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, but, it, it felt like that was a struggle between angels and demons, that the demons are kind of usually represented by the hospital. The hospital is usually a sinister force. Fair enough. That's tying them down. And the chiropractor is like, no, stay away from the hospitals, come to me. But I don't know if <laughs> like traditional medicine and chi versus chiropractors are meant to be an allegory for angels and demons, or <laughs> angels and demons are meant to be an <laughs> analogy for... Or a metaphor like Western for medicine Western medicine and chiropractors. Oh my <laughs> that goodness. Seems, this seems to be a pro-chiropractic movie more than anything else. That is one thing I can definitively say is that it's pro-chiropractor. <laughs> but I don't know anything else. I don't know where they land on anything else in the movie. Like, was he an angel yeah. or a demon? Probably not. Was he just a hallucination? Was he just representative of the, like, the most stable force in this guy's life? As he died on the table in war. It's kind of open. It doesn't seem to lean yeah. one way or another. I did really like the grimy aesthetic of a lot of it. Um, we said the hospital at the end with the limbs Hospitals, going by. Great. But even the apartment that he lives in with the mail worker. Like, it's just a really gross, shitty looking apartment. Yeah. That you don't see very often. Like, the paint is chipped off the walls. Yeah, it's... Uh, they don't really paint him as having a very nice situation there. But wasn't he in, like... Um, was he in an apartment or a much bigger house with his old family? At the end? Or when the, in the situations he was with his family. Yeah, and the one he returns to at the end, which I assume is the same I guess house. So this is that. his house when he was a professor. Um, the guy just lets him in? Yeah, it's like a, I think, a big community with a gated front. Oh, okay, you know, okay. Like a bunch of units together. Okay, so it's probably a home inside a big community. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd buy that. A duplex or a, I don't know, some kind of thing. It was considerably nicer. And then he refers to his life with the mail worker as being in hell. Mm -hmm. And so he I'm does, yeah. sure those represent two things. <laughs> but the second one never happened. Which one? Um, the the one with the mail worker. He made that all up in his that head. That was all just a weird idea. Yeah. And did he ever work as a mail worker? I think that's his, like, his, the thing he made up he did when he came back. I agree. Yeah. I think that he was the professor before, right? Uh, yeah. Because they even call him doctor when he arrives back yeah. at the apartment at the end. Um, and this whole male worker career. So then where did she come from? She's a complete hallucination. Uh, hallucination. I, I wonder. I have no idea yeah. how that could have possibly happened if they just bumped into each other or right. he had worked this job part-time before and then when he went back there was that girl. And... Mm -hmm. But... It, it, he has a pretty... But wait, he talks about her to his wife, so she must have existed, because his wife in the... But that's in... But is he talking to his wife before leaving for... I think that's in yeah. his hallucinations. Well, no, it's, it is. All of it takes place in his hallucinations. <laughs> but um, he is having... Except it's for the flashbacks. Those are not in his hallucination. Right. Those are not. Or yeah, he's, those... he's hallucinating a flashback he's... of it. In the hallucination, every time it's his perspective, he's in a hallucination or a memory, which is yes, yeah. brought on. That's what we're trying to figure out with the wife stuff. Is yeah, so with the wife stuff, hallucination? I think that was um, a hallucination. Same here. <laughs> because, uh, well, yeah, he was explaining her, and yeah. he was explaining the life that he was just living before mm -hmm. as a dream. Oh, I just dreamed I like lived in an apartment with this girl from the postal thing. Which is most of what we saw. We saw her way more than we saw Yeah, we saw her first. We didn't see his, yeah. his family situation first. And so he explains to his wife about mm -hmm. this woman who she's supposed to theoretically know. What, what a jerk of a hallucination, though. She was mean. She's really mean, and when but he's not, not doing well... But not consistently mean. 
Not well, like mean enough. Sometimes she would be carrying for him and caring. saving his life. Yeah. Or his hallucinated life. Yeah, the life that he made up for the two of them. She would like work to save it and then yeah. in just some moments she would But then sometimes she'd be like, ugh, you're just sick and around all the time. Go watch yeah. a movie or something. I'm out of here. I'm burning all of the pictures of your children. Whoa. That was insane. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, she like screamed uh, at him for having like a Vietnam flashback at a party. Here we go. Okay. How about her the, Her character changes regardless on whether or not he's letting go or holding on to his memories. So she, in essence, becomes either an angel or a demon for him. Okay, so in the... We could have to trace it back. Like, was there an inciting uh, phrase that he said that made her go burn the photos? He cried. He cried. Demons don't like weakness. <laughs> <laughs> he cried because he missed his dead boy. And she that was it. Them. That's it. So the more you, the he's more he's devil on, and, and that was the devil trying to steal your life away. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna burn these photos and make it even harder for you. Yeah. And then he wakes up and he's like, there I was is. in hell. So and that's one character. The, the so his previous wife must have been an angel then, by contrast. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't appear demony at all. And well, but the first time you see her, other than a photograph, um, he is having like telling her about the dream that he had. Yes. Yeah. Right. And he said, "I was in hell." Mm-hmm. And then he starts talking about how hot she was, and she doesn't sound like hell. Or, I thought you said you were in hell. Or right. I'm just trying to think. But of, was there any other characters like the girlfriend who flipped back and forth potentially the, between angel and demon? The the squad boys. They were gonna help them by mm-hmm. like all pleading their case and doing the law thing, and then they all swap flipped. And That's true. It. It's weird. It felt like there was a force that was um, bending the arm of all his former squad. And I think you're supposed to believe, I think that's just misdirections, that you don't think that he's dead and making it up in his head. I see. I, yeah, that a the, lot of weird, weird writing. That uh, Just, yeah, stuff that didn't get, you know, explained, or didn't need to be explained, I guess, because yeah. it all took place inside of a very convenient hallucination. Very convenient. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm burning out of all the notes I made. That's, that's fair. Like, there's, there's I'm just, only... I'm just some fucking hippie chemist. What do I know? There, <laughs> was, there were a few great quotes. There were some... We laughed a lot during this movie. There was... Um, what was that one? Um, so, do you think it had something to do with that day? I think it had something to do with something. <laughs> said so confidently. Like, that's something to do with something. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Was, it, it, it probably did. As it turned out... Well, no, hold on, though. Didn't we learn that it didn't? It had something to do with nothing? No, it's still something, because it's a hallucination. A hallucination is something. Made up. Yeah, it's a made up something. But the thing is that the thing that pushes that over the like the limit for me is that um like there are situations where it was all a dream and you revert back to whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or it was all a dream so that didn't happen and you have to pick up the pieces, whatever. But in this one, the dream took place at the point of no return for the character. Like he was already gone. Mm-hmm. Right? So it all seems so inconsequential. The consequences have been around. Have been around. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I guess that's like maybe a 90s audience would <laughs> identify with that a little bit more. I guess, yeah. Like, because there didn't seem to be much reward for me. No, I, I, I was, I did not like this movie. This might be my <laughs> least, the least enjoyable one that we've watched out of the 11. Yeah, I agree. So, sorry, which one did we say was the least beforehand? Bone Tomahawk? The, our least favorite? Yeah. Uh,. Yeah, I guess it was Bone Tomahawk. Sorry, Bone Tomahawk, you're bumped to number two. Bone Tomahawk, you've just jumped up a peg. Yeah. 
You're a slightly better horror movie than Jacob's, Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> but you know what? We should we should congratulate ourselves for making the effort to go back and watch an older horror movie. Yeah, Chris, I'm glad you demanded we do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy. Oh. Uh, <coughs> happy to come along for the ride. Yeah. No, it was fun. Um, and I think the length of this episode is really going to indicate how we feel about the movie. I agree. Yeah. It was... We're not going to waste your time. Yeah. With this um, movie. So, uh, anybody who has a contrary opinion, if you've got some real good um, way to explain the movie so it's a little more compelling, or you, there's some moments we didn't talk about, mm-hmm. anything like that, um, head on over to Facebook and you know write a paragraph. <laughs> really bring us down to size. Um, we should say something about Jason Alexander, who has a sure. little bit of role in this. Okay. He has some flowy hair. He's a little more hair than maybe you're used to. Not a full head of hair. Nope. But there's a little bit more. There's a ring on the top Mm -hmm. of his head. He's a great, anxious, angry, irritated lawyer. Yeah, he's a little mean too. He flip-flops on them too. He's like real enthusiastic and excited until he finds out about... But his flip-flopping is based on, I guess, the the CIA that's telling him or that changed the records to state that and again all within this hallucination well, they all got to state that they were never in Vietnam in the first place so yeah, they were within in the hallucination Thailand. yeah these experiments happened mm. which I guess they and they actually did happen because he did die of being stabbed this is a broader question no yeah they did no uh, the, uh, the experiment did happen and they did kill each other but they died but then how, how come in his subconscious he's being informed by the guy who did the experiments? You know what I mean? Like, this is this isn't, this isn't his brain making up these his characters. His brain, I, I guess the, his brain happened to stumble across some exposition for we, us. We but... have to say that in, like, in the metaphysics of this movie, there is kind of intervening forces. There do exist <laughs> angels that are supplying information into his subconscious. Because that's how he becomes aware of uh, how yeah. experiments that were done, right? How could he have hallucinations uh, with that information so about yes. the experiment that had just happened to him yeah. that didn't come out for years? Like, exactly. Wouldn't have been, no. Yeah. There are angels intervening. And so I think within this hallucination, the CIA is trying to cover up the fact that um, these experiments happened. Which seems to be what broadly this movie is based on. The idea that so, the government yeah. did... But again, inside the, the hallucination. But also outside. It's like the outside... Well, they did. Yeah, in. they ended up doing that. Yeah. Because they did do that. Yeah. But um, that has to be completely coincidental, though, at the same time. like uh, Yeah. The logic is... I think that might make the movie better, though. If there was somehow a connection between the visions that he was having, even mm-hmm. though they're all on his deathbed, yeah. and the eventual future real world. It is. I think that in the future real world, which is which does have angels and heaven. Through some like dream, this, this world. the doctor guy who he talked to was able to go in and talk to him or something like that. Or I think just, yeah, angels sent into his subconscious. Or the chemist. The, 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 chemist. the message. And not even maybe the chemist. But like they just sent the information of the chemist into his brains and his memories and his okay, hallucinations. It was this um, chiropractor. Chiropractor. He's the angel. Well, he says right at the beginning of the movie, he's like, "You look like an angel." He Where does to so the chiropractor. Yeah, when he's got the light behind that's him and it. he's like out on the table. Totally. I thought that's what you were taking a note about. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> when you when you took your phone out, I'm not texting. I'm taking a note. I thought it was about. I think I referred to him as wise chiropractor because he's <laughs> suspiciously omniscient. He knows a lot. Right after, I guess, what you <coughs> took in, he says, you look like an angel, or something ridiculously on the nose. 
Um, the spoon fed. So I think, yeah, the chiropractor, if anything, was an angel. And mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, the chiropractor goes back to before any of this happened. Maybe he knew his chiropractor. Seems like the, a very familiar... That's an interesting point. It could be, yeah. And then if the chiropractor was an angel, he could go in through his death experience and guide him to the light. Mm-hmm. And send him some info about the tests. I don't know. I'm reaching here. I know. I wanted to say something else about this whole cover-up thing. Like the fact that... Oh, I did love that scene where... Which is... Um, kind of a cliche scene in movies where guys in suits grab someone off the streets, mm. throw him in the back of a car, threaten that? threaten him, and then release him again. But I loved how in this movie, he starts fighting back. <laughs> he says, I hope we've intimidated you. And he starts throwing punches yeah. at the guys in suits, kicking the, the driver. Gun, kicks the driver, kicks out the window. And he like, gets some great hits in on these people in suits. Yeah, and he like the door is open, and, yeah. and he's like, ha, ha. Like, he makes... So much problem he fights, for them. Yeah. That's which a, is great. Against three people, that's a good... Yeah. He makes a really good attempt. It and shows he gets that free. his subconscious is really fighting against those demons. Mm-hmm. I think if we, like, skimmed, like, 45 minutes off this movie in editing... Oh, we, we could need like, to trim it right down. We could... And I'm saying 45 minutes. Like, that probably puts the movie at, like, an hour ten. It'd make it from a bad movie to a... Compelling thriller. Oh, wow. That, that high of a shift, huh? I think so, because, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to justify that. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I think that there was, basically what I'm saying is I think there's an hour and 10 minutes worth right. of compelling footage that I, we just saw there, in those two hours. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was expecting a lot more. Yeah, me too. There are just a few elements that are very great for a horror film and that a lot of later films also use. Um, but are done quite well here. Don't again the just the set design of that hallway with the lens. That was some of the best. It reminded me of um, there's that one segment in VHS two. Okay. Do you uh, know? Have you seen that one? I don't know if I've seen the second one. Oh, the second one. We'll have to watch that sometime. Okay. But it reminded me of that. It reminded me of The Shining a bit too. I guess the way they were uh, curving down hallways and there was blood all over everything. I'll tell you what. Um, it it would also remind you of because I read this in the um, page you sent me, but um, it. It's kind of um, inspiration for Silent Hill in some ways. Mm. And it definitely had that feel to it totally, in those moments. Totally. But later movies have the benefit of taking these moments that work really well and extending them into full, yeah. full-length full films. Yeah, and being newer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always helps. I don't know. I uh, feel really dumb about that. But, but hey, like, if we have to watch someone through a bad movie for two hours, it's nice that it's Tim Robbins. Oh yeah, and that's that's I still think like he put on a great show. Mm-hmm. For, you know, like I wasn't totally compelled by the story I was given. Yeah, uh, you know, and the the horror elements were good, but some of them didn't fit. All right, imagine this movie if um, the story was about all these crazy things happening to this guy mm-hmm. and him like being more like confused about what his family was. You know, he's constantly with these two different people, and different amounts of kids are alive and dead. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's not with us anymore, and like. If he just couldn't ever get his feet on the ground for what his life was, and it kept being weirder and weirder and weirder, and he was seeing all these weird demons and stuff, and then boom, you find out at the end, he died. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need any of the experiment stuff. I don't think we need the angels stuff. <laughs> I think just the general, like, what I like about horror movies is just showing just the, the situation itself and letting that speak 
on its own. Yeah. And someone just never ever finding their feet and realizing it's because they were dead. That's would be a true. Story. Maybe this movie is doing too much. Like, are the exper- are is the whole experiment subplot necessary for all this, or can it not just, it just be someone me. dying? Because those are two different movies, really. Yeah. It's like you have the movie of the guy who's dying, and then in that moment of death or that long hallucination, he has to either let go of the fact that he. That his son died on his watch, perhaps, mm-hmm. and go up or be tormented for all of eternity. That's one film. Then you have this other film where it's oh, experiments were done and crazy aggression yeah. forced you to kill your comrades. Yeah, as um, it turns out, it was all just you guys yeah. who did it. Yeah, that's its that's own a movie. Tool, and that's reveal. a different thing. Yeah, but to try to throw them together made it perhaps. Yeah, because they were like, um, let's even think about it as two separate movies. In the movie where it's the experiment, and you're out in the jungle in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. The the misdirection there is about who are your enemies, who are you fighting, what's yeah. happening. Yeah, that. you would explore that a lot. And they, they lot did more. right at the beginning. They're like, you you didn't know who was attacking. Like, I I was gonna criticize that first scene of being poorly shot because right. I'm like, this is just haywire. You don't even know who who's who. No, and, and as it turns fully out, intentional. It, fully intentional. And that movie would work well with the scenes later back in New York with the other people who survived and all mm. of them being confused, having trauma, yeah, and trying to get to the bottom of. What happened out there? Why do we only have fragmented memories? And one of and them knows a little bit. One of them bit. starts to figure yeah. it out. And the guys in suits are trying to keep it under wraps. That's a cool, that's good, a cool movie. that's its own movie. Yeah. You know? And then, yeah, Tim Robbins having all these crazy hallucinations. And trying to go to heaven or hell. That's a second that's movie. That's a movie. The yeah. two together, a little confusing. That's it. That's I felt confused and it was too busy. Yeah. Too much was going on. Or like one character put it, it's something to do with something. <laughs> Is that our something line? to do with something? <laughs> I think so. I think just something uh, to do with. I'm Chris Vandenberg. And I'm David Stoneborough. Chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Something to do with something. <laughs> again, let's just start again. Chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Chaos reigns, chaos reigns Something to do with something Chaos reigns Uh, see you guys. Bye.